get very, very lonely. The clients can get very, very demanding. And if your why is not something more than just uh, the dollar sign, then you're gonna, you're probably gonna burn out as my guest. And we see a lot of turnaround for sure where I'm from. And I'm sure you see that all the time as well. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui. I'm back. I already know this is going to be a fun interview. Uh, today, I get to interview Laura Stewart. Laura's from REC Canada. We had, um, you know, we had interviewed Jazz Takar here. I, and I hope I didn't say his last name wrong. Maybe no, you nailed it. I nailed it. We had such a yeah. fun talk. Uh, Laura works with Jazz. Uh, when I just saw that name pop up as it was coming on, I knew we were going to have fun energy around here. How's it going, Laura? I'm doing great. And I, and I got to tell you, you know, we always say here, that jazz is the beauty and I'm the brains behind the beauty. So everything that he's been up to in, in, in REC Canada and running the team and all his social media and everything like that, uh, a lot of it is a very collaborative experience over here. And I've had an incredible time working with someone, as you said earlier to me, with that much energy. And it just has brought out the best in me. So I'm sure today will be great. So when I was interviewing him last time, did you have an earpiece in his ear and you were saying, jazz, <laughs> here's, here's the right answer for that one. You've got an awesome like board up behind you. What is what does all that say behind you? Yeah. So this says REC experience. So when we started a podcast in 2018, uh, we named it REC experience. It's since changed to the Jazz Tacker podcast because we wanted to kind of go down more of a personal branding route. And that would allow him to speak to many different subject matters, not just real estate. So we've changed it, but uh, uh, we're about to be changing offices in the near future. So we thought it wasn't even worth tearing down the wall and redoing it. So it's, it's still here now just for nostalgic purposes. I love, I love the wall. The, when I Googled your name, actually, so then some different videos and stuff comes up and it pulls to your guys' YouTube page with all sorts of fun, fun versions of what you guys are talking about. So you, so you get to talk about real estate and non-real estate. What's, uh, what's, before we, what's your favorite non-real estate topic? My favorite non-real estate topic. We've spoken with a number of entrepreneurs that like not in the real estate realm, Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, we had on the podcast. We had the founder of Reebok on our podcast and just the tales that people tell, like the, about the startup time, you know, they they get so nostalgic about that time period in their life when things kind of sucked and like they could hardly afford, you know, to, to pay for their meals, but they just had this, this desire to keep moving and to keep pushing past that. And I just get so inspired by those people. And every single time after I listen to one of those stories, I just am filled with like so much gratitude for where I'm at and and helping the company grow that I'm with and starting just a new company just recently, a media company. I mean, it's just so inspiring. So I'm trying to take some of their energy and then filter it into my own life. Yeah. I, I love the entrepreneur journey. I love, and I think all agents should be listening and learning about the entrepreneur journey because every agent is essentially their own boss in this entrepreneur journey. And the, they have guidance and they have partners and they have investors. It's all different, right? Like it's, it's different scale, but it's having to, there's so many stories of, I sent these 
mailers out for six months. And then I almost gave up and I got my, and I was eating top ramen. And then I got my first deal and now I'm doing a hundred deals a year or I door knocked and I door knocked and I door and that didn't work. So then I did phone calls and that didn't work. And I did this and it didn't everything about the entrepreneur journey of failure, 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 success is in real estate too. And it's absolutely one of my, one of my most favorite topics. Yeah. I mean, the, the founder of Reebok, he was telling us that it took him 10 years before he was like in a single shoe store in the U S could you imagine like at some point you keep trying and failing and trying and failing. And a lot of people would probably tell him like, maybe the world's trying to tell you something. Maybe you're just not that good at building shoes. But I think when your why is that strong, it doesn't even really matter whether or not you're successful. It's part of the process. It's the journey that they're they're mostly interested in. And that kind of makes all the hiccups and the failures and the filling forwards uh, that much more worth it. Dude, yeah, the why. The why part of the journey. The why part of the journey is why you keep going. Yeah, especially when, yes, when you think of 10 years to get into a Reebok store, right? Like, especially it would be really easy to quit because you're trying to break into an energy, you're trying to break into an industry of giants. Yeah. He was like, think about, think about this. Like I was up against Nike. I was up against Puma, but what he did that was so interesting is that they found a little niche for them to work within. And I always think that's really important, particularly for real estate agents who are just getting started. I kind of use that as the, you know, here's my, my advice is don't think so broad at first, try and think of something niche that you can do and really brand yourself as that. And then once you get that traction, you can kind of grow off of it. Right. So some people say, well, I want to be in luxury real estate that's great. I do too. Cause you can sell one house and make the same amount of money. Okay. However, if you're only selling houses once a year and you're just starting out, you're not going to get enough practice. You're not going to be in enough real estate conversations. So I say, start small. And then no matter what that baseline is, then never talk about anything you did less than that. So let's say you sold something that was $400,000. Never say you sell anything less than $400,000. And then once you sell something that's a million dollars, never talk about any deal you've ever done that's less than a million dollars. Always be talking about the next section up so that you're rebranding yourself constantly and that's going to move you kind of into those new niches. I love that. I mean, I, we got to take part of that and the and for my editors, you got to grab part of that into one of our repurpose clips right here that gets to go out because real estate agents have the opportunity to constantly rebrand into what they want to be. You can, uh, there's a saying like a domino can knock down a domino that's 50% larger, 75% larger. And everybody's seen those little drills of a little domino, knock down a bigger one to a giant one. And that's like getting to build on your history. And, and I, I love that of saying like, yes, you start with these small deals. Once you do bigger, so if you really want to be a listing agent, you're a buyer's agent for a while. And then once you get that listing, just talk about, you know, what you want to be constantly rebrand yourself and grow. What, um, what fun advice for agents out there. Another part of know your why that the, that I like to think about a lot is, so we know your why, so you keep going. And then what happens a lot in the real estate journey or the entrepreneurial journey is all of a sudden people are successful and they start making a lot of money, you know, and then. And I had it happen to me. Some of the first times I got really successful is I me forgot. Too. <laughs> yeah. I forgot why I wanted to get wealthy. I forgot why I wanted to make money and I spent it on the wrong things and I took the wrong things for granted. And I didn't focus like at first it was so I could feed my family. And then there's this weird ego thing that came in that fam that I am ashamed of that part of my life, but it's part of my story where family was less important than the success part and having to re wait. My why was I wanted to be successful for my family. It wasn't to be this cool investor guy. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny you say that because when I first started in real estate, I was just coming off of finishing my my MBA program. And I kind of was coming into uh, a new crowd of people where I knew I probably had a little bit more education than the average person, in all honesty. And that kind of, I think, was I came into it a little bit jaded. I thought, okay, I've worked in 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 luxury goods in other places in my life. And now I have my MBA. I have more education. I know a lot about marketing and branding. So this should be kind of easy. And I got my first deal like within the first two weeks of being an agent. And it was like a one point, it sold for $1.2 million in three days. And no one was even allowed to see it. It was a complete teardown property. It was walk the lot only. And it was $1.2 million. And I was like, damn, this is easy. Like I don't, I got this made and we're, and I'm, the greater Toronto area has 65,000 real estate agents in it. So I was like, I got the competition beat. And then I got my next, my next listing. And that was a $1.3 million house. Again, no one was allowed to go inside the property. You know how easy it is when you don't have to take pictures and do any of that open houses or anything. It's literally, I just put it up on MLS and it does its thing. And I got, I got a little bit, you know, high on my own supply. And I remember thinking like, I'm going to take some vacation. I'm going to buy some fancy shoes. And before you know it, crickets, because I didn't set up the foundation properly. And I had to learn that the hard way, which is unfortunate, but it was such a good lesson because it really made you realize like, okay, why am I doing this? Like, what is my why? Why am I going to get up and go to work every day? Because it can't just be to, to make some money and then go splurge it on vacations. There's got to be something more because it gets it can get really lonely in real estate. I, I luckily work with a team, but I did that on purpose because I wanted to surround myself with people who had a lot of energy and where we have a lot of fun and a lot of collaboration. But it, regardless, it can get very, very lonely. The clients can get very, very demanding. And if your why is not something more than just uh, the dollar sign, then you're gonna you're probably going to burn out as my guess. And we see a lot of turnaround for sure where I'm from. And I'm sure you see that all the time as well. Yeah. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui for a quick commercial break. So during 2020 and 2021, the real estate market completely changed. There's so much competition in the market, so many people trying to buy and sell houses, but there's hardly any supply, hardly any product, hardly anyone willing to list their homes. It's time for every agent out there to become a hybrid agent investor to be able to reach out directly to homeowners to try to get them to sell or list their house. We've got a new website. Go to leadpropeller.com and you can set up your own investor buyer website in just minutes. You'll set up your own URL, set up phone numbers, help go through the leads, help reach out to people that aren't listing their their property currently and have them fill out a form that says, hey, I wanna sell my house. And then as an agent, you can go through and make them a hybrid offer. You can tell them, hey, I think your house would sell for $220,000 on MLS, but I can either write you a $180,000 cash offer right now, or I can help you fix it up and you'll list it for 220,000 on MLS. These are buyers that are looking for quick cash offers. Tens of thousands are submitting these forms every single day and they're skipping the listing process. But so many of you guys out there are such good agents, it's a great opportunity to get that lead and help them maximize sales price for their home. So again, go to leadpropeller.com and think about signing up for your own investor site so buyers will start reaching out to you, asking you to make an offer on their home. That's a really interesting example too. We talked about you can constantly rebrand yourself and you can build off of your successes. At the same time, you had sale, sale crickets. 
So you need to build, you also need to build off your successes. You need to not count on that. Like you don't need it. That can't be like, you can't sit down and not do anything and try to grow from, you can't say, Oh, I sold a house before. So I'll sell a house again. You got to try to take that stuff and build on it or it sneaks up on us. Yeah. I, I totally missed that lesson. And I, like I said, I learned it the hard way. I've been now in real estate for seven years and I've pivoted from doing listings. I mostly work with buyers actually in the new build uh, area of Toronto, which is, is a very important sector of real estate because our immigration is just surpassing any any type of inventory. And so we definitely need to to be creating more housing, building more buildings. And that's been so uniquely fun because I get to work with investors and I never really saw myself as working with investors. I really saw myself as being a listing agent, working with families or helping people buy like their new dream home. And investors are a completely different niche, a completely different sector. Their requirements are different. Uh, the questions they ask are different and the emotion is a lot less involved. It still can be very emotional for a you know slew of other reasons for sure. But um, it, that's been super fun to learn. So, you know, and once you kind of grasp something and you really feel like you've perfected it, you know, then it's time to move on. And so what happened was uh, just a couple months ago, Jazz and I, who we were speaking about earlier, we decided to start our own company. And it's a, a content creation company, a media company, really, that helps other real estate agents uh, produce content. And I don't mean like the regular, like, just listed, just sold posts or the, the inspirational posts that are, you know, evergreen for anybody. This is helping people produce podcasts and shows just like this one, um, helping people consider their branding. Maybe we need to rebrand and, and how can we get more micro content so they, they're in front of their clients' faces more through social media. And that's been been a very interesting challenge as well, because now I'm helping my competition in a way, but it's been very, very fulfilling. So that's, that's a whole other sidebar. That's very cool. I mean, it is, we, again, it's, it's funny, real estate agents and the entrepreneur journey. It's like, it is so close because then you see these other opportunities. So sometimes agents are like, okay, I open an office. Now I'm going to open a mortgage brokerage. Now I'm going to get a title company. Now I'm going to start growing that way. Or now I'm going to build a team. Or it can be, hey, I built this skill set of being able to use social media to get my own deals. I could probably scale that and help other people use it the same way. So that's a new company you guys started. I'm sure people are going to reach out to you for that. So are and you are you still representing so the new build stuff yeah. like out there? Did you say you're representing investors on the buy side or on the sell side? On the buy side. So I probably like my team. So just to kind of give everyone an idea of how the team kind of works. So uh, we have about 50 agents on the team. Jazz has a business partner named Simos, and I'm the VP of that company. So I mostly help coordinate the sales end, but I also work with marketing and whatnot on the team. And we essentially give all of our listings and all of our buying clients to the agents on our team. So it kind of trickles down like that. And that gives us the opportunity to do the majority of our sales straight from this desk, from this room. I never leave my office. Um, I, I don't go to houses. I don't do showings, nothing like that. So I do the majority of my deals from here where I essentially am getting a package from the developer. We negotiate terms with the developer, what the agreement of purchase and sale might look like for the buyers. And then we promote it to our, what we call our REC insiders, which is essentially our database. And we, you know, help educate people on really investing as a whole, but particularly what I do is help about to the tune of 200 investors uh, every single year purchase. Uh, we call it pre-construction, but some people call it new build condos. Yeah. I love buying new builds right now. The When 2020 started, um, I was buying a lot of foreclosures. I have a foreclosure listing company. We would buy 10 to 20 a month on the courthouse steps. 
And when COVID hit, they shut down foreclosures, you know, and not completely, some are still happening, but I went from buying 10 to 20 a month to not being able to, but we still had, you know, investments we wanted to make. And we started to go heavy this last January. So like seven, eight months ago into new construction. And one of the most exciting things about buying at new construction, especially at pre-construction is as a buyer, we were able to lock in a price and risk very little, risk five or $10,000. And in a strong market, we're, so we're buying out whole neighborhoods, six different builders with lists. We'd buy every house from every builder. And then now they're just delivering, they're just now delivering these to us seven, eight months later. And the new listing prices are much higher than we got them in escrow for. It feels like buying an option. Uh, in yeah. real estate. So I think- And that isn't that so fun? Like when you get to go back and speak to your clients and say, oh, by the way, like before you've even closed on your property, at least how it works here, it's usually because we're, I'm talking condos. So I'm talking, you know, anywhere between eight and 30 floors, sometimes even more. So it takes, it can take anywhere between three to eight years for these things to get built. And over the course of time, appreciation is still happening. The developer also continues to force the appreciation because as sales continue to move, they increase the pricing. Sometimes within about a month to two months, my clients have already seen 20 to 30 grand on paper. And then usually by the time they close, it's anywhere between, I don't know, and $250,000. And they haven't done anything. All they had to do was sign their name and write some checks. That is incredible. Well, I'm a, I'm a new client. Maybe I need to start buying up, up in Canada because that is the exciting, exciting part when you're talking about three to five years delivery. I love, I love new construction for all sorts of different reasons, but it's a, it's definitely a different specific niche. And when people are out there, if any of you agents are out there and you're trying to represent investor clients, a lot of times investors reach out and they say, Hey, I want a deal. And agents may forget that some of the best deals out there doing the right way with the right developer, the right neighborhood, some of the best investments out there is buying new construction, you know, before it's getting built or, you know, at the very beginning. Yeah, I think the key really is, is if you come across as the type of person who wants that, again, this is the key to to investor clients because they can be multi-transactional and they tend to give you a lot of referrals. So as long as you treat them well and you're really looking out for their best interest, and by that, I mean not letting them buy new construction when they've when they've kind of missed out on all that appreciation. So we have what we call here first access pricing. So it's literally the developer markets the the property they start selling to their friends and family but it's not like open open season and then they go out to their first tier of agents usually people who do the tune of you know 200 to 300 uh condo transactions every year such as my company and they'll say okay you guys get your first allocation of units and our clients can buy at that very first access pricing and then what happens is in a week the prices will go up $10,000, $12,000, which you can still do well in that point. But I, I would say after that second release, where the prices go up another ten dollars to $12,000, I'll tell my clients, just wait for the next one. You're an investor. What do you care? Like, yeah, it's a great location, but there's also other good locations. And let's just wait, pause, take a deep breath, and make sure that you're getting on the appreciation train and not the developer. And so I think what's been key for our business is really like holding our clients' hand throughout that entire process and really looking out for for their best interests. And that's really how you're going to win. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our podcast sponsor, Housefolios. We're in real estate to find the next big deal, right? We want to find the deal, make money, and then turn around and do it all over again. It can be frustrating having to search through thousands of properties trying to find that Goldilocks property that is just right for your investment goals. That's why we're here to tell you about house folios. 
Housefolios is a management software for single family home investors that makes it simple to find good deals, get financing, and manage your property portfolios all from one platform. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily search for properties, both listed and unlisted, analyze numbers based on your specific assumptions, and provide resources to get you through underwriting and closing. And this is a feature we like most. You can track your numbers at multiple levels. Want to see the returns on the specific property in seconds? Check. How about an entire portfolio of properties you're looking to buy? Check. And then being able to present these properties to investors to become the go-to real estate agent for their investment needs? How awesome is that? Managing your investment properties has never been easier. The best part, it's affordable. Plans start at just $29 a month, 29 bucks to unlock the tools to manage your entire investing cycle, all in one place. Check it out at housefolios.com. And if that's not enough, Housefolios is giving our listeners a special rate on an entire year of Housefolios, just 99 bucks. So instead of 29 bucks a month, 99 bucks for the year, head on over to housefolios.com forward slash RE Rockstars to sign up. Again, head over to housefolios.com forward slash RE Rockstars to get an entire year of Housefolios for only 99 bucks. That's such great advice. What's it like in Toronto right now? I've only been to Toronto once. It's a beautiful, really diverse kind of part of Canada. Definitely different than uh, my experience when I was out in Vancouver. The what's the what's life like right now? What's especially like the with 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 post COVID world? What's real estate like? What's life like? Are we at lockdown? Oh yeah, twenty twenty. I mean, everyone. What what a year everyone had. I would say we probably had similar to what everyone was going through when it, when the lockdown first happened. Was that kind of like six weeks of like, oh my god. There's nothing to sell. There was no inventory. Everyone took everything off the market. Uh, no one wanted to sell either. They didn't want to sell at a discount and it was crickets. And we we had to get creative at that time. We had to work with developers who had inventory and say, look, you're going to have to sweeten the pot a little bit. Um, and that kind of gave us more leverage than we really had ever had in, uh, in the past with developers. So that was really interesting. But everything else here, I mean, right now, particularly the, the resale market, um, detached you know, single family homes, that market is insane. Something goes up, multiple offers, and it's off you know, in three days. And we saw this in 2016 here as well. And so that's not new to Toronto, really. Like we have 350,000 people coming into the greater Toronto area every year. That's what the government is at least promising. We were always flirting around uh, 150,000, but we're only building our best year was like 37,000 units. So we need at least 50,000 to cover off 150,000 people coming into, and it's just, we're not seeing it. And so there's this crunch and it, we're just seeing prices increase and increase and increase. And uh, the condo market took a little bit of a hit because, you know, people weren't really wanting to live in 500 square feet in the yeah. sky during a pandemic. And so we had about 50,000 people move out of the city. But I think when life starts to get back, uh, people will start to move back right now. Like we're, you know, we're open, but cautiously open. So things aren't completely back to normal. Hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see a full turnaround. Yeah. Every city is a little different. The, so I've been following a lot of Austin, Texas. I live in Austin, Texas. I've been following New York and I've been following San Francisco with a lot of the news that we kind of provide for our listeners. who are trying to grab that data together. And Austin within, um, you know, the first couple months, you know, April, May, June, 2020, the downtown area had kind of prices had gone down. People moved out of apartments and a lot of stuff kind of got, you know, sold at a discount. Mm -hmm. but, but by July, August, September, people started to move back into the condos in downtown Austin. And the, and even though it's, it's one of the more, um, there's still some restrictions in downtown Austin compared to 
as soon as you get outside the city or everywhere else in Texas for the ma that matter. There are more restrictions in Austin than any other city in Texas. And as soon as you're in the outskirts, there's almost no restrictions. But as that got to open up more, people started moving back into uh, Austin. And then now what we've seen is, you know, so then San Francisco. So San Francisco has still not had people coming back into the city yet. There has been an outflow of people since March of 2020. And they haven't seen that uptick yet of people saying, oh, I've always wanted to live in the city. Now prices are low enough or now there's now I can actually get what I want. New York has now seen people coming back in. They've started to see, I'm going to try to pull up the article that I had just found a day or two ago that showed how, you know, rents in New York are, are now more than San Francisco for an apartment downtown than they had been for the first time in seven or eight years or something. So for a while, the demand in San, in San Francisco was outperforming New York. But really that shows people are back or people are going back or they're willing to head back into the city. And so you're starting to see that a little bit too, or you will, you're saying you will start to see that. So you did see a decline in the city uh, at the yeah. beginning. And now that demand kind of going, people wanting to go back to normal. Yeah. And you know what? The demand in new build really never left. I think because the principles maintained and people could understand like, okay, look, if, if the government's saying we're going to bring in all, all these people, they need to live somewhere. So although there might be a crisis happening right now, uh, of people leaving and what's happening with prices due to, you know, like low interest rates and the fact that we knew we were going to be getting a, a lot of people once the borders opened, it, it, it scared people, but for a very short period of time, I, I think in situations like this, particularly investors, there's always two hats. There's the, the majority of people who get scared and freaked out and they want to sell everything, including their stocks and, you know, the sky is falling. And then there's that group of people who slow it down for a second and say, is there an opportunity here? Is there something that I can gravitate towards where in the future, I'm going to look like that genius? And I think, you know, a lot of those people did because the developers were really taking a hit and they were providing so many more incentives than they ever were. And now people are owning properties that I already know have gone up in value so much. And again, they haven't really done much, right? The actual person who purchased it, because all they had to do was sign over one, maybe two checks, uh, each $15,000 each, and they got to ride the wave, right? And then of course, when you're looking at something out four or five years out, as long as you, you know, you truly believe that this is going to be over in four or five years, then you'll be okay. And so we had a lot of investors take advantage of that. And I, I think it's been great to watch. I myself took advantage of it. And that's the beauty in that too. Like I actually practice what I preach. So uh, I, I'm right there with my clients buying new build condos myself. I believe in it. My husband believes in it. Jazz, everyone who I work with. We all do the same. It's the most passive type of investing and it works for me. It works for my lifestyle because right now I'm really just not in the headspace to be dealing with the tenants and the toilets. Hopefully I'll have a little bit more time in the future, but you know, just starting a new company, I, I, I eat, breathe and sleep here pretty much. So new, new construction can definitely be one of the more passive things you can do. Yeah. And this is not supposed to end up turning into an investment advertising, but I'm really curious since you're, this is, I've never invested in Canada and I haven't done deals up there, but we do have a, quite a few listeners that are there. So they write a couple checks for 15,000 a piece, like their, their option, their deposits, whatever, how big of a, how expensive of a unit are they buying and do they end up selling once the condos are built or are they putting renters in it? Are they long-term holds? Yeah, that's a great question. So generally speaking, I would say on average, our price points are anywhere between $550,000 and $750,000. Um, obviously, we sell much more expensive units, but those don't tend to be investor type units. So $550,000 being a one bedroom, uh, you know, 500 square foot unit, 
pretty tiny, all the way up to a, to a two bedroom unit for $750,000. And you're, you have to put 20% down. Mm-hmm. So, but that's paid over the course of time. Sometimes you only have to put 15% down all the way up until occupancy. What we have is occupancy, mm-hmm. which I'll explain in a bit, but that's when they would put that final 5% down. Now, occupancy is a funny time because here in, in Ontario, in Canada, um, the rules are kind of that the developer allows you to live in the unit before you're actually closing on the unit. And that's because it's undergone all its safety inspections. It's good to live in, but it hasn't been registered with the city yet. And so what was happening before is that all these condos were sitting dormant for six, eight months while the city got its shit together, for lack of a better word. And it was like, but I can live in my unit and you're still making me pay rent elsewhere. So now you kind of pay like a rent, um, but you're allowed to live in your unit. And so, um, you know, sometimes the the closing will happen or the, the final payment, excuse me, will happen on that occupancy date. And essentially you're allowed to what we call assign your units. So you want to make sure that the developer allows you to assign the unit, which is essentially selling the paperwork to somebody else before that occupancy period. You can, and usually you're selling at, at a bit of a profit, right? Sometimes people will sell for, you know, reasons like, oh, I know I won't be able to close, Sometimes it's I'm moving, I'm moving to the States, I'm moving somewhere else, and I just don't want to own property here. Every now and then someone will sell simply because they've made so much profit and they want to pull it out and do something with it. It's my fundamental belief. Every person's situation is different, of course, but I really try to advise my clients to hold on and actually close on the property. Because if you've made that much money in just a three, four years, think about what you'll make if you hold it for six more years. Here in, in Toronto, the, the stats are that your property will double every 10 years. So I was trying to say, just try and hold on to that 10-year mark. And that allows you to kind of ride out those waves. If you had to assign the unit because you had no intention of closing and a pandemic hits and you had to sell, you might be selling at, look, I don't think anyone lost any money who, who had to sell this last year, but they certainly weren't as profitable as they would have been if they held on to it and now sold in 2021. Do you know what I mean? So I always say, go in with the intention of closing if you really can. And then if the market does great things for you, then take advantage of that assignment. Plus at the end of the day, it's your, it's your security blanket in the worst case scenario. Yeah. You know, for, for agents out there representing buyers and new builds, one thing I just now saw about five, six months ago on a contract to keep your eye out for, because this was new for me. And I, I was a home builder in 05, 06, 07 when the market first crashed. So I've known both sides of it. But I recently had somebody reach out to me and they said, hey, we're about to close. And now the builder has raised the price $30,000. Now that's kind of unheard of that as a buyer, you get to lock in and you can change your mind and cancel with very little penalty, but sellers can't. But there was a caveat in this builder contract that essentially if certain things happen, gave them a right to sell for more. And I would say if you're trying to represent a, a homeowner in that maybe not too big of a deal, maybe normal, make sure that they know and understand that process. But if you're trying to represent an investor, one of the upsides of new construction is there is a hope that there is, you know, you're risking this deposit, but you could gain extra time of sale. Um, But now there's actually some, you know, clauses in there that allow anytime a seller is allowed to change their price, I would say, you know, be wary of that. And that's not all builders are doing it, but a couple builders have 
And that was a new kind of thing to me. I saw, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, each place is, is a little bit different and here for sure. Um, like everyone's deposits are held in trust, right? So if the builder decides not to build, you get your money back. I'm not sure if it's like that there, but definitely here it is, which is why it's so important to work with a lawyer in your area who really understands new build condos, not your resale lawyer, that person, like these are 150 page documents that you're signing. So you really need someone who, who understands the law when it comes to new builds, who, who understands investors and what are some of the things you might be looking for. I have had builders who say that it's written in the fine print that if you try to sell at a profit, the developer keep, gets to keep the profit, which kind of negates the point of the assignment in the first place. And so it's really, it's really important to have someone check that out for you. Yeah. I, and I found that other article that said New York just surpassed San Francisco as the most expensive rental market in the US. And I think part of that is because, you know, San Francisco has had a lot of exodus, you know, partially as a result of COVID. And now people are coming back to New York. And so it's good news for New York, you know, that the that the prices are back up six, nine months ago, that article would have been different. The medium rent for a one bedroom apartment in New York City is now 2810. And in San Francisco, it's 2800. And since January, New York rents have jumped 20%. You know, so the so that's showing how much is changing just in the last seven months. So rents in New York, people are obviously coming back. If back in January rents were at a certain price, and now they're up twenty percent since then. So let's think back to yeah, I guess when you first started in in real estate, you had some great kind of starter luck, uh, not luck, but you had but you but you shared your story. We'll call it luck. Good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, you, you did good, and then you had a, a lull or a back, and went whoa, maybe I should be looking at things a little different. Yeah. What advice would you give your give uh, yourself as a new agent? What do you wish you would have known, or what would you tell new agents now if they're thinking about getting into real estate or they've just gotten started? Yeah, I get this question often. I have a couple answers, but the one that I feel I say the most, and the one that I feel has hit me the most, is I would work with a team. So there is no reason to go out into the world of real estate and hit your head against the wall and do everything alone. I find that uh, by joining a team, I was really able to learn from the people who were the best in the business, which decreased my learning curve, it decreased the amount of time it took for, for me to have real estate conversations. I was also able to get out there, right? A lot of people will say, well, I need new clients and they'll start with their friends and their family. I, I was already working with people who could give me their lease deals. Like they didn't want to work those deals. Right. And so they gave them to me and like, yeah, leasing is not glamorous. It wasn't as glamorous as my million dollar listings for sure, but it got me out. It got me shopping. It got me having real estate conversations every single day, which made me that much more prepared for the next thing. Plus there's people who hold you accountable. I don't know about you, but for most people that I, that I've met in the real estate industry, we can tend to be a little bit scattered. It's like, like, Oh, squirrel. And, you know, and then you're over here and you're doing something else. And we get so distracted by new clients, new listings, new deals that we kind of forget the fundamentals of the business. And I find that when you're working with a team, you can really, really learn how to just create a business. Now, you're not just a real estate agent. You're running a business. And we've implemented so many systems, many of which, you know, I kind of took from my MBA background. Like I tried to pull from that and say, look, I think we can make this easier. Why are we hitting our heads against the wall every single day? Let's create a system. Let's put some rules in place. Let's hire more people people. Uh, people is the key. And I think if you can at least start with hiring an administrative assistant as soon as possible, I understand probably not making any money at the start and you want to keep it all free for yourself. But if you can find a way to put that money back in your business from your first couple deals and hire someone to help you do the paperwork, set up the listings, set up the 
any of the showings that you have. There's no reason you should be doing those tasks because you should simply be focusing on the next deal. So that is by far the, the best advice I think I could give. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal, but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact, especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about Rent Ready. Rent Ready is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants, and support with a real live human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many come. They aren't gonna punish you when you grow. They're not gonna charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're gonna charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, Rent Ready, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, Rent Ready is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of Rent Ready for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50, that's Rockstar50, and sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code Rockstar50 to get Rent Ready for only $54. Awesome. Now you might've actually preemptively answered my next question, but how about somebody comes to you it will combine, we'll try to combine your MBA with your real estate experience. And if it's the same answer, it's the same answer, but somebody says, Hey, I, I, I'm doing 20 deals a year right now. And I want to double that. You know, what, what's my best way to, to double it? So that cause somebody just doing good. They're doing a couple deals a month. They're not beginners anymore, but they really want to throw, you know, gasoline on the fire. What advice yeah. would you yeah. I mean, obviously it does make sense that you would hire somebody if you don't already have somebody, but I do think that there is some good art in the follow-up. So what we started doing here was creating content. So again, we started with a podcast, then we started video recording the podcast. What that allowed us to do was take the podcast recording. Let's say I was doing an entire uh, video recording on new build condos. And I wanted my database to know about that. I can take that video and I can send it to my clients. And then what I can do is Get on a call and say, hey, Aaron, did you get my email? And even if they say, no, I didn't, or even if you didn't send the email, say, oh, well, I just wanted to let you know that I sent you a video about XYZ. It was about new build condos. And I really just wanted to, to kind of educate you on, on what's happening in the market, whatever it is that, of topic that you want to talk about. And then not necessarily going in for the sale. Like, are you interested in buying a new build condo? It's do you have an appetite for an investment? Or is there anyone you know who might have an appetite for an investment? And I, and I think that there's a lot of uh, art in that. And that's going to be where you're really going to win, where you're going to win on traction. A lot of people think they need to get like a new funnel, right? You just got to work on the funnel that you already have. I think if you take care of those people, they're going to refer you and they're going to become multi-transactional, particularly if you start educating them on investing. And uh, so just take care of those people that you have. And if you have help, that's going to allow you really to focus more on making those types of phone calls and doing those meetups. Yeah, I like that as advice. So now somebody's trying to figure out how 
how are they going to succeed right now over the next six months? This market is wild. We've got people competing on offers. We're not sure if we're if it's going down, if it's going up. I mean, I, you know, depending on what you read out there and what your best advice tells me how they're going to succeed in real estate in just the next six months in this kind of crazy world we're living in. Yeah, this is uh, this is something that we take a lot of pride in here. I don't know if you can see it behind my chair. It says removing friction here on the wall. Yeah. And I think a big part of our, our ideology here at REC is help, removing friction for your client. How can you make the process of doing real estate easier? I was just on a call, Aaron, today uh, with Structube. I don't know if that's a Canadian company or not, but uh, it's a furniture company. And they're delivering furniture for me today. And they didn't hold up their end of the bargain, but they were saying, well, it was written in the fine print and all this shit that they're telling me and excuses, excuses. And I was getting kind of upset because I was like, look, I work in customer service. I really do see myself, although I'm a real estate agent, I don't see myself as a salesperson. I see myself as working in the customer service industry. I will do anything to make the, the process for my clients as easy as possible. So maybe that's picking up the keys when they close on a property. Maybe that's picking up the deposit checks. I will have couriers going all over the city, all go all, all over the city to, to pick up things for my clients. Being available, saying that you have a concierge service and maybe you know it's either you or maybe you can afford to hire somebody to be the, the main line, the main point of contact. So that anytime someone has a question about, I need a plumber, I need a painter, I, I need pest removal, they call you. They're not calling some pest removal company and you're the only number that they need in their phone and providing that additional amount of service, that white glove service that really helps them make home ownership and investing in real estate that much easier. So they'll be that much more inclined to do it again. Yeah. The, I, I, I really, really like that. You know, the, the last article I want to talk about the, and it's kind of, so this week, this just came out on Inman. Keller Williams, you know, one of the biggest brokers in the U.S., had their big mega camp this week. And the, the article headline on Inman says, Keller Williams on inflation, cooling prices, and inventory uncertainty. They said growth, price growth is likely to slow down. Correction may await a more distant horizon. 2022 should nevertheless be a good year for home sales. And they talk about a lot of different things in the article. And they said in the short term, they see, you know, prices continuing to go up, but it's slowing and demand slowing. In the long term, they kind of predict a correction and said, you know, prices, we think over the next two to three years, prices will come down, that they'll, that they'll not only slow growth, but they, will, but they will start going back in the other direction. I remember in, two, you know, I was traumatized in 2007, 2008, 2009. Uh, and they talk about inflation being a looming threat, you know, report from earlier this year about how as inflation goes up, you know, real estate goes up, but what other impacts will that have? So they said... They were you know, assuming that the with inventory shortages and anything else, they're still excited about the short term. Inter they say interest rates will likely rise moderately. Home prices will show up at least in in the short term, and then you know long term they're nervous. You know, and and a few people have said that I've interviewed lately said they're seeing a slowdown in demand, but it's still better than it was two years ago. Crystal ball stuff. The nobody holding you to it, but people are going to want to hear what your predictions are with all of that. What do you think about prices and inflation and all that? What are you, what, how are you strategizing yourself for the next six to 24, 30, 36? Yeah. I, I wish I had the crystal ball for sure. I'd probably be a lot wealthier. Um, <laughs> but, yes, yes. you know, I'm going to base all of this on simply experience and data, particularly like in the Toronto region. So when you look at the last hundred years of data in Toronto, real estate has gone up and down, but always upwards. And the average increase year over year has been 
0.9%. And so even if your property is at 2% increase, that's still a great year. So yeah, I do think that maybe things will come down right now, like we're flirting around in those double digits again. Um, that's always a little bit scary. And I do think the government is going to come in and we, you know, we probably have quite a bit more government intervention than you do come in and try and cool the market. So they're obviously going to in- increase interest rates. They're probably going to put on, you know, the liberal government's thinking about putting on a foreign buyers tax or like not allowing foreign buyers to buy anything in the GTA for the next two years. And we have an election coming up. So that's definitely the point that they're running with. Um, I think overall, particularly in Toronto, because all the fundamentals are not really changing. Here is where all the jobs are. This is where people want to live. Toronto really is the heartbeat of Canada, the financial heartbeat of Canada. We like to consider ourselves like the little sister to New York City. And just like you were talking about New York City, like you you just can't kill New York City. And they always come back. And I, and I do think Toronto has a little bit of that grit as well. People want to be here. It's super multicultural. The jobs are here. Everything's here. Everything's going on here. And for that reason alone, I'm very, very optimistic about the future in terms of how much and when. I mean, I don't really know those numbers, but that's why I always go into any type of real estate transaction with you got to know those figures. If you're purchasing in outskirt markets or markets that seem to be hot today, what kind of data do you have? Have they always been hot? Like what's driving it? Here, I kind of just know a little bit more. And that always makes me a little bit more comfortable to say to my clients, look, buy something today. Yeah, it might be seem high, but in five years, you're going to say, damn, I wish I bought more than just one. I've seen that time and time again. So uh, I'm very, very hopeful. It's like the stock stock market and Bitcoin and everything else. Who knows what's happening short term, but 10, 20, 30 years from now, I would be hard pressed to see real estate not be worth a lot more than it is today. Just like I bet the stock market will be worth a lot more. And I even bet all those crazy cryptos uh, will be a lot more as we uh, as we go through that journey. The cr- and the craziest part with all of it, or one of the fun things when we grab this crystal ball and we're really just guessing, right? Of that some of the biggest risks and biggest things that ever happened were unpredictable. When you think about, you know, Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor had a big impact, unpredictable. September 11th had a big impact. Uh, unpredictable. And even I, I recently was uh, listening to a guy speak at a conference I was at this last weekend. And he said, even three or four months before COVID, they had the biggest economic minds together trying to predict what could be the biggest economic you know, crisis that we could face. And pandemic was not on the list. I was going to say, I guess they missed that one. Yeah. they missed, And they were actually <laughs> there to study and think, and they totally missed that one. And your point of government, government intervention is another one of those things that we can't really predict around. I also saw an article that the that they're proposing up in Canada, like an anti-flip type, a larger flip tax or something like that. That if you're going to, it was kind of anti-flippers. And one of the posts that, that a buddy of mine put on there is like, hey, we, we hire people for this. When we buy the house and we fix it, it's all these different things that we're doing and people that we're helping and paying. And now get, you know, the idea of getting penalized for that or trying to stop that is just like killing an economy. So really yeah. interesting stuff. It's yeah. funny because I, I think, um, you know, no matter what happens, like with elections and with new policy, I try not to get really political because quite frankly, it doesn't really matter to me that much. Yep. They're going to do what they're going to do. The world okay. is going to change and I'm just going to pivot just as my I always have. My company always has. And I think if real estate agents go into it without the mindset of the sky is falling and all this stuff is happening to me and let's place blame. I think you just got to run with it and you got to be open-minded. You got to view everything. As I mentioned before, from an investor's perspective, as a real estate agent, you got to go into everything with 
What's the opportunity here? So maybe I'm not selling new build condos next year, but maybe I'm selling something else. Maybe I'm not selling in downtown Toronto, but I'll move. I'll sell somewhere else. And so I'm never going to let any of those factors hinder me too much. I'm sure there'll be blips along the way. And again, we talked about failing forward and having that attitude of, of always looking to succeed and enjoying the journey. But really at the end of the day, you just got to grow a little bit of some thick skin and just look for those opportunities wherever you can find them. And what a, what a mic drop on that one. The, um, Laura, the, this has been a lot of fun. It's been fun getting to catch up and, and get to meet you and hear about all sorts of the, the stuff that you've been doing. People are going to want to reach out to you. They're going to want to hear about your social media stuff or what you guys are doing up there, ask you questions about all sorts of things. It's the best way for people to come find you. Yeah, probably the best and easiest way is on Instagram. So they can look me up at uh, Laura Stewart T.O. Maybe, Aaron, you could put that in the comments for me. Uh, If they're they're interested in the media. Yeah, if they're interested in the the media services, because this is. Uh, it's not Toronto specific. We can do this uh, anywhere and everywhere. Um, that's Fitigu Media. So I'll spell the F-T-G-U Media on Instagram. And F-T-G-U, just for everyone, that is from the ground up because it's our true belief here that when you're building companies and you're building real estate portfolios and you're building your social media game, you can't cheat the system. You got to do it one step at a time, one follower at a time, one video at a time. And so go into everything with that uh, patience and long-term approach. And that's what, uh, that's our motto here, really. Awesome. Well, we will definitely add all that stuff in the comments. So if you guys are listening to this while you're driving, go check out hybendigital.com or our YouTube page or anywhere you're downloading this podcast to make sure that you find Laura's contact information. Laura, I just found you on social media, on Instagram. That's one of my favorite ways to get to chat, chat with people right now. I'm sure, um, you know, for it, it, the only, the only downside is sometimes I get locked in uh, meeting people. I get way too, way too social sometimes, but I love uh, getting to touch base and build relationship there. Perfect. So, I got you right here. We're now connected. We're now connected. The We probably won't get any work done anymore, but we're sure going to get to <laughs> chat about some fun stuff. Laura, this was awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Real Thank Estate you Rock so much. Star. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. All right. Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate, how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, 
go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.